Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success, where each week on Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I bring you a dynamic guest, and today we have two dynamic guests. We have Linda McDaniel and uh, we have Regina McCullough. They're they're, uh, co-founders of the book Catalyst, and Linda is also the founder of Association for Creative Business Writing and award-winning author of Words That Work. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about them. They think that writing books is one of the best diva strategies that they can think of. The book catalysts have helped scores of women build their confidence that they can write a book, and they have helped them find time in their busy schedules to write it. Thanks to their books, they are now enjoying increased results, respect, and revenues. You know, you've heard the saying, everybody's got a book in them. They are both passionate about helping businesswomen and other individuals write those books. They've always wanted to write, and they're going to share with you the same proven, fast art, strong finish methods that they use. They find that people who normally breeze through a blog or article freeze when faced with challenging Challenges of writing a 200-plus page book, pages in a book. Confidence in book writers is like self-control in three years old. It's often missing. The book catalyst can help. You may already know this, but 80% of Americans say they want to write a book, but only 2% ever do. Are you one of those? While many consultants, speakers, business owners, trainers, and health care professionals know that they need to write a book to boost their business, most never do. And the same is true for individuals who long to write a novel or memoir. What you're going to take away from this, they're going to leave you with their passionate support and send insider information from their 25-plus years as writers, authors, and book-writing coaches. Between the two of them, they've written 125 books and more than 1,500 articles for major publications. They have coached clients who signed deals with McGraw-Hill, Warner Books, Simon Schuster, among others. Their clients have appeared on Oprah, CNN, National Public Radio, Dateline, 2020, the Discovery Channel, Good Morning America, and the Today Show. And they have coached hundreds of people for companies such as Microsoft, Visa, Boeing, and helped doctors, speakers, and consultants, and people just like you write your book. You can go to their website, which is www.book, and it's catalyst, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T-S dot com, and learn more about them. And today we're going to talk about Write Your Book Now. Welcome, Linda and Virginia. I'm so happy to have you both on the show. Well, thank you, Robbie. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you some questions that can, well, one of the things I wanted to say that, uh, you know, as, um, You've wrangled, you have, in your years, you've wrangled with editors and publishers and won. So 
I'm, I think you're going to give us some great information. What do you think the, uh, find are the biggest obstacles standing in the way of writing and publishing a book? And we'll start with you, Linda, and then uh, then we'll add, Virginia, you can put in your comments and things like that, and then we'll go to the next question. All right. And sometimes, you know, uh, in in I'll, I'll be happy to start with this one, but sometimes one of us is more of an expert in, a, in an answer okay. than the other, so maybe we can do it that way too. But for this one, I would just briefly say that um, in my work uh, that I am amazed to find out that confidence, more than time, more than money, more than all kinds of things, confidence in themselves is what holds them back. That's the biggest obstacle, whether they're doing even just articles and blogs. Uh, I And it gives me a just a real thrill to be able to confirm their creativity, their ability, and help overcome those bully bosses and prissy teachers that told them they couldn't write, you know. Yes, they can. And so just don't listen to those people and listen to us when we say, yes, you can write a book or articles, blogs, whatever you want to write. And um, now I'll turn it over to Virginia. Yeah, Virginia, do you want well, to add something to that? I sure do. I, I do want to say that one of the other things that, that your listeners should pay attention to us about is that you do have time. They, everybody has time for this. And one of the problems that people have, one of the biggest obstacles, is they think in terms of, well, I don't have half a day, I don't have three hours, I don't have an entire month or six months to take off to just just write this book. And we know we're productivity coaches as, as much as we're creativity coaches, and we know that, that books get, get written with, in many different methods, in, including 40-minute writing sessions that may be three times a week or maybe six times a week, week maybe twice a day, maybe once a day. But we, we know that you don't have to have four, four hours at a time. You don't have to have days at a time. You can write books in, in short bursts of, of productivity. And, that's, and it also helps keep your creativity high doing it that way too. Well, that's good. Does conventional publishing take a lot longer than independent self-publishing? Well, yes, actually, this this is is Virginia taking this one. Um, Independent publishing is a real boon to writers today. It uh, it takes away that gatekeeper. And for years and years, and Linda and I both have had extensive years of experience with with editors as gatekeepers. the gatekeepers telling us that we could publish or we we couldn't publish, and nowadays uh, independent uh, publishing takes that away. If people do want to go with conventional publishers, they have to think in terms of a much longer timeline. Um, in today's nonfiction world, you need a book proposal, and that can take time, of course, to to develop. Then if you decide to look for a literary agent to represent you, it can take six months to a year of pretty steady effort to find the right literary agent. Uh, then the literary agent takes another six months to a year to to find a publisher, at which point you go on to the publisher's production schedule and there's an editing process and there's a 
production and a re-editing process, uh, and all of that can take anywhere from from six months to about two years. So you you're really looking at years instead of months, uh, the way you would with independent publishing once you you have your your manuscript. So it really does conventional publishing really does take a great deal more time. But it's uh, no, not it's, we're not which is not finished to say it's it's a it's a bad thing, but you just have to allot that time. Um some uh somebody was telling me I know several people who self published the first time, their book was very successful and then the regular publishers wanted to pick it up and came back with a newer ver- you know, an updated version and and went ahead and published the book. Do you see that happening a lot? We see it, it happening uh, to a certain extent. I wouldn't say it happens a lot. And one of the reasons it doesn't happen is that once people have set up their own publishing enterprise, it takes a lot to pull them away from it if it has been a successful book. The publisher has to offer an, an awful lot. And um, sometimes people see publishing contracts and decide that they are better off on their own, that they're actually making more more money on their own. Um, what do you um, What do you believe is the advantage of your fast start, strong finish method? And what, tell me a little bit about it. Oh sure, this is Linda, and and um, this is something I really value because um, what it just in a nutshell, the fast start is all about just getting your first draft down fast. And we find this is very difficult for a lot of our clients to to grasp, but once they do, they see the value in it. And what we're saying is don't edit as you go, don't worry about if this word is perfect or that paragraph is perfect. Just get it down. And as Virginia shared, you know, maybe you're only working in 40-minute um, segments and everything, so you want to make that as productive as possible. Just get that first draft down fast. And here's the kicker. People think, and I did this early in my career, we think that if we write a bad first draft, we must be a bad writer. But guess what? We weren't taught the writing process. The writing process, and for writers that you love to read, guess what? They all wrote bad first drafts. So we are giving you permission to just let it rip, write bad first drafts, because they're going to be. No matter how hard you try to make them really good, they're going to be bad first drafts. But they're wonderful first drafts in the sense that they've gotten you started, you're rolling along, you finally finish that first draft, and that's when you have time then to edit and to add to it and to find those photos and find those stories that are going to supplement what you're, you started. And so the, it's faster when you just allow yourself to write and write and write and, and just plunge in anywhere you want to and get that first draft finished. 
And like I said, it's it's something that we've had to teach people to do because, like, in school they kind of felt like they needed to have this first draft right and, and that kind of thing. And it's just wonderful what happens when you can let your mind go. It, it increases your creativity. And, as Virginia said, it increases your productivity. So we just love it. And then there's a lot of things that we can talk about in a, a little bit later in this interview about the strong finish. But I what really good wanted... Ways... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was oh, just going to say, what are good ways to keep create, creativity and production high? Um, yeah. Virginia, you want to take that one? Sure. Well, one of the things that we, we recommend um, that people usually say, what, do you really mean that? We We recommend taking breaks. And we also recommend changing a change of scene, and by by that we mean you don't have to go on on long vacations. But what we're talking about is giving the the brain something new. Linda talks often about how the brain is really basically gets bored and lazy if we're sitting in the same place hour after hour or or day after after day. And some sometimes that people find that. They can re-spark their productivity and their creativity if they they get out of the office and, and work in a cafe, work in the library, work in the park. Nowadays, when we can take we can take paper and pencil with us everywhere, but we can also take note, you know, iPads and we can take laptops and we can get out into the world. And when you see so many people sitting around in, in coffee shops with their their computers open. I often wonder, well, what are they really doing? I, and I, I bet many of them are actually writing something. And they got out of their familiar environment to go write somewhere else. Linda and I both do this often. We, we really swear by it. And then taking breaks simply means uh, giving, giving yourself something new to, to look at, giving your, yourself a, a break from, from working. Um, especially if you're trying to fit in all of those 40-minute sessions. And a little later, Linda can talk about why 40 minutes is the magic 40-minute number. Um, But we we recommend that because so much writing happens as when people are, are taking walks, when they're taking their their kids off to the to the zoo or even when they're they're sitting in the car they're they they might be be driving kids from one activity to the other but if they're if they think about the writing or they just let it sort of sit ideas come up and they even come up as as we sleep right what about brainstorming do you think that's something good as well Yes, Linda, why don't you talk about genius generator and things? Yeah, I have a technique that it's really basically free writing or fast writing, whatever you want to call it, but I've renamed it, and I call it genius generator because when we write fast as a brainstorming technique, and, of course, that's just one of five or six that, that we teach our clients and all, but... Genius Generator is basically just writing as fast as you can for five minutes. And the beauty of this technique is, and why I renamed it, is because 
we tap into ideas we didn't even know we had. Our brains are so much more uh, on the ball than than we think. And, you know, when I was growing up, they used to say, hey, you know, we only use 90% of our brains. But guess what? Nobody ever explained how to use that or tap into that 90%. Well, I don't know if Genius Generator taps into 90%, but I know it taps into a good 20% more because it gets into those nooks and crannies where um, new associations are formed and ideas we didn't know we have. And if as we write fast, those ideas come sailing through our brains and we're writing fast so we can capture them. And by golly, if that isn't Genius Generator, I don't know what is. So you bet, we think brainstorming is just a fabulous technique. And one of the other advantages of, oh, I was just going to say, one of the other advantages of of writing fast, doing quick brainstorming exercises, is that, that writers tend to, build confidence then over time that as they're they're working steadily in these short bursts a few times a week some every day uh they they gain confidence all of a sudden they they realize that they're they're producing that they might be producing 100 words a, a day they might pr- be producing 500 words a day but their manuscript keeps growing and as as long as they don't go go back and start to try to fix it too soon their confidence will keep growing, and with every with every good idea that pops into their head and all of these brainstorming exercises, confidence builds, and that's really important. What's the single best way to dress up writing or make it more compelling? Well, we have, you know, a whole toolkit of, of ways that, that writing can be more creative, but the number one single best way to dress up writing is to tell stories. Now, by stories, we don't they don't all have to be, you know, long stories. They can be anecdotes. In a medical setting, they might be case studies, um, just good examples. Uh, I'll give you an example. Speaking of examples, I'll give you a good one. Because stories bring your message alive, and they show rather than just tell, which is, for a lot of your listeners, maybe an adage they've heard, especially in the fiction venue, but it works for nonfiction as well. And that is that you get your your readers on your wavelength faster by, by telling a story that shows. So here's my example. I was talking to a farmer who, or actually a rancher, who uh, sells grass-fed beef. And I said, well, what's the advantage of grass-fed? Because, you know, isn't grain good? I mean, I, I eat grain a lot. And and he said, if you were a cow or cattle eating grain is like if you ate chocolate cake every day all three meals. Well, do you wow. see how that little anecdote, man, I was on his wavelength right away. I had a stomach ache, just like those poor cattle have from eating grain, and I understood. So that's what I mean about little, even little stories like that. Get your readers on your wavelength. And one other point about stories is that they've done MRI tests, and they could tell the person having this MRI test something, and the brain just is its regular wavelengths. They could 
tell them a story and the brain lights up in all kinds of creative ways. So they know that we are a storytelling culture. I mean, think about it. Way back when, that was the only way we had to to share and convey information before we could write and before we had more ways of, of communicating. So it's a powerful tool to tell stories, anecdotes, examples, or case studies. Um, so think about, for your listeners, think about that when you want to write a book. What stories can you share? That will make your book come alive. What techniques do you both use to outsmart those inner saboteurs and keep, keep, uh, that keep us from writing or that show up as writer's blocks? You know, one of the things that we emphasize is that writers need to know the, their readers and they need to understand what these readers want and need. And we talk about a reader-centered approach to, to writing. And when, that, when authors have a reader-centered approach, then, then their readers keep them on, on track. And we talk about writing to readers and, and not at them. And if when people get get stuck, sometimes we simply say, "Well, ask your your readers what they want." And if you're sitting down having what what you can imagine is a face-to-face conversation with with readers, it is amazing what how a book will begin to to shape up and what readers what these imaginary readers will actually actually tell you. And I think um I think most nonfiction writers eventually come to terms with the idea that they need to imagine a particular reader sitting in in front of them that maybe you know novelists we think of a of a reader sitting on the on the beach or uh, I write women's fiction and and I like to think of a of a reader curled up on her couch with my my book open and those that gives the the author any author of any type of a book, a real image. And that way, when you're having trouble, you can think of that of that image. And I suspect that many of your, your listeners have things to say that are going to serve their readers' needs. And if they keep focused on, what am I doing that is going to be making my readers' lives better, then they stay, they get back on on track because then they start to engage that it isn't just the blank page it's really about a process of of sharing years of experience sharing what you know sharing what what's inside of you to actually share and rather than being intimidating it's uh, it's actually freeing it's quite freeing uh, you help a lot of people become writers. What are some of the things that you, uh, when they come on board with you, that you do with them? How do you help them? Well, I'll step in here. You know, we we work with them, as I mentioned, on their confidence. Like, what what is their self-talk? What does that sound like? You know, we hear this for all parts of our life. What that that we really need to be conscious of our self talk, and and figure out that a lot of that is just old messages from, as I mentioned early, um, uh, grumpy parents or bully bosses and prissy t 
teachers, you know. We just just tell them, "Hey, I don't I just don't need this anymore. I've moved on. I I've got something to to write here." And uh, one of the things Virginia taught me that I just love, I I think it's so um it's kind of amusing is that a lot of times people think of writer's block as like a disease that descends upon them. And you know, we're both well, Virginia is also a fiction writer, but we've spent a lot of time doing nonfiction. And I tell people I have never had writer's block because, one, I have a landlord or a mortgage, and, two, I have a power company, and, three, I have a phone company. You know, I have bills to pay. I don't have time for writer's block. So we urge them to think, you know, the same way, that you're not going to get writer's block. It's it's not a badge of courage, and it's not a, it's, it's just something that's just part of that lack of confidence. And it causes you to procrastinate or to not start and and that kind of thing. So it's not something like a disease that descends upon you. It's something that you can can get rid of. And Virginia, what do you, what do you want to contribute well, then, to that? Well, I would say this is also a, a good time to talk about why this fast fast start strong finish works. And one of the things that happens, and and Linda and I have both. We've worked with a lot of people over the years. We've seen this happen again and again. Is that when when someone starts writing a book, there's a great deal of enthusiasm, and then they go back. They have wow, you know, they got 50 pages, and then they go back and they start fixing, and then they start. Well, then something else gets in the way, and then they're not sure what they're going to do on page 51, and so the whole process slows down, and they feel blocked. But the reason they don't finish and believe me we know that people often start books and they get 20 or 30 or 50 or even 100 pages in and they they don't finish because they've spread it out over too much time instead of going through and doing that fast draft never looking back until you get to the end of that first draft that's that's what a strong finish is it's finishing and it's finishing right. in a in a reasonable period of of time because you've 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 broken through those those barriers, and and it is true when your writing uh, is important, and it's the only thing really supporting us. Linda and I are both in that that situation. It, we don't get writer's block. It's very true, um, but people can get over writer's block in no matter what their other circumstances are, because if they if they keep going and keep going they'll eventually finish that first draft, which is, I've told people this, and it's true every time. I'll say, if you write the first draft of this this book, you will change your life forever. And that's what happens. Because they always know if they can write one first draft, they can write two, they can write three, they can keep going. Do you recommend that they do uh, an outline first and determine how many pages they should be writing or just flow and then add, you later decide what the chapters and outline is going to look like? Well, Linda, why don't, why don't you, you start there and then I can add something? Yeah, I mean, I think a general 
outline, something so they feel like they have a little safety net around them. It contributes to their sense of purpose and where they're headed. But I have never written like with just a super tight deadline, I mean, I'm sorry, outline, because as I mentioned, what about all those ideas I didn't even know I had? I want to leave this open feeling where I can contribute and just, and I've written books where they only ended up being 165 pages, but by golly, that was exactly what I wanted to say. And I didn't want to pad it. I didn't want to add to it. I feel like it's a perfectly viable book at 165 pages. So, yeah, I don't get into too much of a you must do a certain thing a certain way. Yes, and I, I agree with that. And one of the 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 techniques that has spilled over into my writing life is I've worked on oh, dozens and dozens of, of book proposals for my clients when conventional publishing was just about the only way to go. And book proposals are a good way to help nonfiction writers think out books. And Linda and I have actually taught that if you start to do a, a chapter outline, doesn't mean anything's written in stone, but you do give yourself a little bit of a of that road map you you give yourself a little safety net there like like Linda said so um some people are real seat of the pants writers they can sit down they don't know where they're they're going they can just keep going and going but uh, most of the rest of us like to have some idea where this this journey is 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 taking us and and writing making notes in fact i i don't even want to use the word writing I'd say jotting down ideas and notes for what you'd like to include in your chapters would be a good way to get to get started, I think. Uh, before, I don't want to get to the end and not be able to get some stuff out. We can always come back to the uh, other couple questions. I'd like to have you to tell them a little bit about your free report and how they get it, how they can connect with you and your phone number and email and website. Okay, well, I can help them with that. And you already mentioned that our URL is www.bookcatalystsplural.com, and you can write us at info at bookcatalyst.com. The phone number is 707-827. Would you repeat that because they came in and I didn't want to lose any of that. Okay, uh, you mean the phone number? Yeah, I'll repeat the phone number. Alrighty, it's seven zero seven eight two seven three eight seven two, and um, our free special report. They've got to get this. This is great. You could just go homepage of thebookcatalyst.com, dot com, and it's called "Do You Really Want to Write a Book?" And we go over nine of the biggest issues that we have dealt with as coaches over our careers. And there's some powerful information in here, like, I want my book to be perfect. No, you don't. Just get get writing, you know. Um, uh, I read great writing and give up. Okay, just don't don't do that. You know, we all feel that way when we read a super-duper author. Um, just know that you have something to contribute and get busy. And then there's seven other ones I won't go into here, but I urge people to get a copy of this powerful little ebook. Okay, repeat the website one more time. We're down to about eight seconds. www.bookcatalysts, 
dot com. That's plural, B-O-O-K-C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T-S dot com. Okay, well, that half an hour really does go fast, doesn't it? I'll say. <laughs> and so I want to thank you so much for being my guest today, and um, um, I will let people know to get that free report, and we will have the – they can come back and listen to the the show at any time because even though it's, it won't be live, they can listen. It is posted and it is archived. So thank you again. We're at the end. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Bye-bye Bye. Bye. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.